What's up, guys? Nolan Earth here with another edition of Nolan & Company, and uh, I know what you're thinking. Quiet intro. I don't have any background music today because uh, after listening to the playback from last week, I decided not to blow your ears off with that music, and so I'm just going to do a plain intro that is just me talking. What is up? It is April 9th, 20 and 19. Grid day for some podcasting. Finally, got up to the 90s today here in DFW. It is hot. It is very hot, and I like it. No today in history, because as you guessed, once again, I'm solo. If you saw my Twitter, if you saw my Instagram, you saw that I have to go solo today because everybody else is still out. Blake is out. The real Blake T. Martin, T for tax, he's out. The best beard in the company, Jared Pomeroy, is out, as well as Founding Father, Mr. William Seth Moorhead. So I am by myself, so it's going to be another short show. I hate to say it, but that's how it's going to be. I got quite a bit to talk about uh, last night in particular with the national championship going down for the uh, NCAA men's basketball. Uh, going to catch up on a little bit of baseball. Going to talk some uh, hockey playoffs. Um, the picture is set. It begins tomorrow. Going to talk a little bit of NBA. The season is uh, just wrapping up. The regular season is just wrapping up, getting ready for the playoffs and that. And then you loyal, loyal listeners have been sending me in your questions all day, and I'm going to get to those. I've written them down. I'm going to try to answer them as best as I can, and that will be the show for today. So diving right into this, last night, I didn't know what to expect, really. I knew to expect a kind of a defensive battle, especially on the Texas Tech side. And that's pretty much what we got. Uh, we're just watching this game from the very beginning. This was very, very defensive, very low scoring. But Virginia was able to jump out and capitalize on uh, some early tech mistakes. There weren't a lot of them, but there were definitely some. And with that, Virginia took a lead and really had control the entire time. They had control early. Uh, I think they got out to a 10-point lead early in the first half, which had been the largest deficit that uh, Tech had the entire tournament. Um, Virginia just looked so good in that second half. And, you know, for what was a rather boring game, which is what I expected, I didn't expect it to be the finish that it came down to be because tech was very resilient. They came back. They were, they were in it all the way, no doubt, but they definitely came back and they closed the gap and they tied it up, sent it to overtime and really had a good chance to win it in overtime. Um, But it is for not. So congratulations to the Virginia Cavaliers. They are the men's basketball national champions for college basketball. And this comes one year after they get knocked out in the first round as a one seed. And the and this year they come all the way back and win the national championship. That is Cinderella's story. Sign me up for the movie rights to that. I want it. Congratulations to Virginia. The big thing is that people are getting a lot, are giving a lot of controversy because of that overturned call that when the ball rolled off the uh, the hand of the tech player. Look, that was definitely a uh, that looking at that replay. That was definitely last touch by the Red Raiders. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Um, there were some angles where it looked like it could go either way, but there was definitely one angle in particular you could see it on his hand. 
Uh, I stand by that. Uh, you know, I'm with that call. I think they got that one right. And then the no call foul on the uh, on the jumper that Virginia had. Uh, I'm sorry that that Tech had. Yeah, you didn't get that because his hand was clearly on the ball. At which point, that is a legal play. So the fact that he landed in the same spot and affected the landing of the shooter did not make a difference. He had hand on the ball. That is a legal play. I'm sorry to all the tech fans. That's how sports goes. This brings a close to a season that really I didn't know what to expect much from. I really didn't pay attention much towards the beginning of the year, mainly because we were caught up in football season all the way. But going into the tournament, I definitely saw uh, Duke, you know, Zion Williams, uh, his big name coming into the tournament. Uh, Gonzaga is always there. I never, ever saw a Texas Tech making it to this point. And to be honest, as a Texan, and look, I'm an OU guy, but Big 12, like definitely this makes the Big 12 and the state of Texas look very, very good. So Texas Tech, they have nothing to hang their heads about. They did very well. It was a great, great season. Uh, and so my hat is definitely off to them. A lot of y'all ask questions about the, uh, about the national championship. I'll go deeper into the, those when I read, uh, when I read your questions. Uh, first, I want to remind everybody that here at Nolan and Company, we're big supporters of athlete sobriety, and that's why we are happy to have our good friends at Fleet Screen sponsor the show. Fleet Screen is a drug testing company located in Fort Worth, Texas, that specializes in drug and alcohol tests among athletes, as well as criminal background checks. And we'd like to give a special shout out to our good friends over there. So if you ever have any need of getting a employee um, drug tested or uh, background checked, uh, you know where to go to. Go to Fleet Screen. Tell them, uh, tell them Nolan and Company sent you. And uh, I don't know what will happen. Um, <laughs> they, they might be even more happy to have you, but that, that might be about it. Moving on to uh, Major League Baseball, I told you guys it was going to be a short show. I have nobody here to talk with me. It's just me. Um, looking into Major League Baseball, I've been very, very shocked with how uh, the start of this season has gone. And I say that as a Texas Rangers fan. Um, the Rangers just lost three in a row to the Angels, so they're kind of back exactly where I thought they would be. But the Mariners are 10-2. and two. The Detroit Tigers sit at 7-3. and three. The Tampa Bay Rays lead the AL East at 8-3, which I did call. I did say, watch out for these this Rays team. They want to play spoiler. Granted, it's early, but still, they got off to a very, very hot start. The Yankees are 5-5, five and five, and the defending champion Boston Red Sox are 3-8. and eight. This is why baseball, in my opinion, is the greatest sport. There's so much parity here that... It's just so much moving around. Look, the Indians sit second in the Central, but this was a Central that was pretty pretty darn bad last year. And so far through uh, the Tigers have played 10, ten, the Twins have played eight, the Indians have played nine, the Tigers are at seven and three, the Indians are at six and three, and the Twins are at five and three. That's not bad. That's not a bad start at all for this AL Central. Uh, and then the West, Astros sit – back at second, and then the Mariners are finally, this might finally be the year that the Seattle Mariners get into the playoffs, possibly make some noise in the playoffs. And then looking at the National League, 
Those lowly, lowly Cubs are three and seven. Three and seven. That's just awful. Awful, awful. From where this team has been for the past two years, I'm wondering what the heck happened to the Cubs. Brewers sit up top eight and three. Pirates uh five and four. Uh Pirates at five and four. They trailed them. In the East, it's about as tight as we expected. Phillies seven and two. Mets six and three. Braves six and four. I'm sure if Blake were here, he would go on a big rant about why the Mets or how this whole Mets thing is a fluke and how they're eventually going to blow it, but not me. Uh, they look pretty good, and the more impressive thing is they're 5-1 and one on the road. So this is a Mets team that, you know, going to Philadelphia, going to Atlanta, they might make some noise. They might have something there to, uh, to put them over that edge. And then the West, you got the Dodgers on top, followed by the Padres, the Diamondbacks sit at 5-5, five and five, and the lowly Giants and Rockies at 3-8. and eight. Looking at some of the big headlines around, look, I'm sure a lot of people want to know how I feel about this whole White House, uh, how the White House canceling the, the uh, you know, Major League Baseball's Cuba deal. Um, look, I haven't done too much uh, uh, research into this. I heard about it yesterday, actually, and I really just have not had the time to take a look at it, but... Um, from what I hear is that, uh, you know, the white house is, is saying that, uh, that Cuban baseball is a, too much of a tie with the Mex- uh, Mexican Cuban government, excuse me. And, um, there's, there's some concern there, um, you know, with it being a communist nation, I'm not going to go into all that. Um, I'm just going to say, I have not done enough research on this to make a comment at this time, uh, if you want to catch me on the street and see what I have to say then, then definitely try to try to come flag me down, but uh, not on the family show. But the biggest thing is 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 the Red Sox is either the Red Sox or Chris Davis, and I'm going to get into one of them uh, in the Q and A session because uh, I definitely got questions about both of those. But I'm going to get I'm going to get into the Red Sox right here. I don't know exactly what is causing this Red Sox slump right now. They should be the best team in the league. Should be. Um, this Again, this looks like another classic uh, case of going from first to worst. And really, Boston is one of the worst teams ever who to do that. I mean, let's think about it. You know, they win in 04, and then uh, you know, they win the World Series in 04. Then they're, uh, you know, 05, they're pretty good. They're garbage in 06 and 07. I'm sorry, in 06. They win in 08, they're uh, 07, they're garbage in 08. Trash in 09, 2010, 11, things start to look up. 2012, things look a little better. They win in 13, absolute trash in 14. So this red, this is a Red Sox squad that, that really can't win without losing a lot the following year. It's just the pattern that the Red Sox fall under, and I don't know what, you know, what to say. I mean... I'm sure that Boston fans would have you believe it's it's some kind of curse, uh, but I, I don't believe that. But this really just proves that it, it is hard to repeat as champions of baseball. That's what makes this sport so great. It, it you know this sport is not easy, and you may win one year, but that's no guarantee you're going to win the next year. 
Since the here's here's a here's something uh, from ESPN. Since the Yankees have won three World Series in a row, 1998, 99, and 2000, no team has repeated. Only two managed to return to the World Series. The 2000 Yankees then made it no one and lost to the Diamondbacks, and then the 08 Phillies uh, beat the Rays, and then 09 they lose to the Yankees. Three other teams have played in back-to-back World Series, the Rangers, the Royals, and the Dodgers. The Royals are the only ones in there to get a win out of both of those attempts. Rip both my teams. Nine of the 18 champions failed to make the playoffs the following season. Let's think about this for a second. You mean to tell me that in the past 18 years, in the past 18 baseball seasons, Nine of those champions failed to make the playoffs the following year. Let's let's put this into perspective and think about how the NFL would look if the Patriots, the New England Patriots, who are by far the best team in the 21st century, probably the best franchise in the NFL his, in NFL history right now. Let's put this in perspective and let's imagine that in 2000, after they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, they missed the playoffs the following year. Okay, and they come back and beat the Panthers and they miss the playoffs. Okay, well, then that who wins the Super Bowl that, that year? The Eagles, who they beat? The Colts with Peyton Manning? And then obviously in the past few years, you know, like, uh, you know, after after uh, after being the Seahawks on that last minute interception by Malcolm Butler, say they don't win, say they don't uh, go to the playoffs the next year. Well, let's just think about this for a second. You know, let's just think domino effect. I mean, yes, they fell to Peyton Manning and the Broncos the next year anyway in the AFC Championship. But all that means is Peyton Manning doesn't play the Patriots in the AFC Championship. Who does he play? Do they possibly beat him? Now, I'm not saying it would be. The Broncos had a great, great defense that year. But you see the point here. Nine out of the last 18 World Series champions failed to make the playoffs the following year. So what is causing this whole Red Sox futility thing? Just the parity of the league. It's just baseball. That's just how it goes. Now, you can accredit some of it to free agency and losing quite a few players. You still got a lot of good ones, though. You still got a lot of good ones, and you shouldn't be in the position you are now, but that is just baseball. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, I'm going to hit on the NHL playoffs and talk a little NBA as the season's winding down and those playoffs begin. And then I will answer your questions. So stick around. All right, guys, welcome back. Nolan Ruth back here. Another edition of Nolan and Company. It's April 9th. Sorry that it seems kind of of boring today. I'm by myself, and I'm just as bored as the rest of you guys. I miss my partners. They've got their own lives to live at the moment, and there's really not much I can do about that. And so 
I'm trying to make do as much as I can. I appreciate your patience. I appreciate you guys sticking around uh, and listening to this dumb kid ramble about sports for an hour. So it's my favorite time of the year. It's time for the NHL playoffs. I got a few questions about that as well today. And this bracket looks insane. Especially on the side of the West. And here's why. I was listening to the Dallas Stars game, the last Dallas Stars game on the radio. And they brought up the point. They brought up the stat that every team in the Central Division, when you look at their games won against other teams in the Central Division, it's either 13 or 12. It's either one or the other. Literally no other numbers. That's it. This is a division that you really just can't predict how this is going to happen. The Dallas Stars have the one seed. I'm sorry, the the first wild card seed. Nashville has the one seed. We could see the Stars beat the Predators. Heck, the Colorado Avalanche were hot on the Stars' trail. The Stars swept the season series from the Calgary Flames, who are the number one seed in the in the Pacific. That's who Colorado has to play. Colorado might actually have a shot to beat Calgary. And you got San Jose playing the, the uh, reigning conference champions, the Vegas Golden Knights. Boy, with how hot San Jose was, that one. And then, uh, obviously, Vegas has experience, which we I never thought I would say about a second-year franchise. And then Winnipeg and St. Louis, who finish one point apart from each other. Everything in the Western Conference was close. And that's why this one is so hard to call. Unfortunately, if I had to make a pick, I would say that Calgary is going to be Calgary and Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Finals. But I just don't know. The West is too hard to pick. And then you look at the East and the Lightning are playing the Columbus Blue Jackets, who I think they might sweep. The Boston Bruins draw the uh, Maple Leafs. That one, that one will be good. I got a feeling that one might go Boston's way. The Capitals have the Carolina Hurricanes. I got a feeling the Capitals are going to win that one fairly easily. Not too easy, but fairly. And then you got the Islanders and the Penguins. Round one starts now. I'm going to go ahead and call my winners. I think Calgary tops Colorado in six. I think San Jose tops Vegas in seven, so I think it's going to be Calgary and San Jose in the next round. I think Nashville tops Dallas in five. I think St. Louis tops Winnipeg in six. Scratch that. I'm going to say seven. So I'm going to say Nashville and St. Louis in the next round. 
I think the Lightning sweep the Blue Jackets. I think Boston beats the Leafs in six. I think the Capitals beat the Canes in five. And I'm going to take the Islanders over the Penguin in seven. Those are my predictions for the NHL playoffs. I got a couple of questions about the, about the NHL playoffs I'll get to here in just a second. And then in the NBA, we are likely, in this we are likely going to witness the final game of one Dirk Nowitzki uh, tomorrow when the Mavs play the Spurs. He This will most likely be his last home appearance tonight as the Mavs play the Suns at 7.30 tonight. So, one, hats off to Dirk, and I thank you from the bottom of this, you know, not Mavs fans, but not really big basketball fans' heart because he made me care about this sport as little as I do. Unfortunately, they're not going to the playoffs as much as I would, as much as I hate to say it, they're not. Uh, playoffs in the West are set. I think I said this last week, but playoffs in the West are set. Um, Clippers will play the Warriors. Uh, I'm sorry. We have uh, today and tomorrow left. The Clippers and Spurs are tied at the moment in a half game back from the Thunder. So that last spot is still debatable, as is the second spot is the Rockets and the Nuggets uh, are only a half game away from each other. But we know that the Warriors are the one seed. That is a fact. And I think it's also certain. Let me take a look here. Okay, so okay, so nothing else is set in stone just yet because the Trailblazers can still actually probably crack the top three. But uh, probably not likely. In the East, Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, Celtics, Pacers, Nets, and Magic. We still have a playoff spot up for grabs. I believe. Yep. Yeah, we only have seven spots taken right now. The Pistons and the Hornets uh, and the Heat actually vying for that last spot right there. Uh, this will be interesting. Let's see. Let me take a look. The Heat are on a four-game losing skid, as are the Pistons, and the Hornets are on a three-game winning streak. So right now it's good to be the Hornets. I'm going to take a look at the schedule, see uh, who each teams have got here. The Pistons have the Knicks tomorrow. Um they have the Grizzlies tonight. The Heat have the 76ers today and have the Nets tomorrow. And then the Hornets have the Magic tomorrow and have the Cavs today at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock Central, I should point that out. So looking at this, I'm going to go ahead and give a prediction. This will take me a couple seconds because I'm going to look over this and talk myself through this. So the Pistons are the Grizzlies, who haven't done very well at all this year. And then I have the Knicks as well tomorrow, who are dead last in the East. So the Pistons have a pretty easy, easy next couple days. The Hornets have the Cavs, who finished second to last. 
And they have the Magic tomorrow who hold a playoff spot. So at the moment, it looks good for the Hornets based on the latest streak. But tomorrow's game against the Magic is going to be key for the Hornets. And then the Heat, uh, they have the Nets who hold a playoff spot at the moment. They're just above 500. And tonight they have, I'm sorry, yeah, tonight they have the 76ers. So the path for the Heat looks very, very tough. The path of the Hornets doesn't look too good. If the Pistons can end up winning both games, they solidify, they're in for sure if they can win both. And they're in a great position to do that. I'm just not sure how capable they actually are of it. And But despite that, I'm going to say the Pistons are going to take that last spot. And I think they end up playing the Milwaukee Bucks, who have clinched the number one seed in the East. And that will be how the NBA bracket will turn out. So now it's been a short show. I'm trying to do my best here because I have no help. I'm just by myself. I'm going to answer your questions. And I'm going to do this as best as I possibly can. Mike Ruth, my father, chimed in. He asked, what do you think of Chris Davis's slump? He was the one who asked about that. Look, this guy was a former Ranger, goes to the Orioles, dominates, hits a bunch of home runs, and is just the new face of the franchise, which is Part of why they got rid of Machado. This guy's overrated, and he has been his whole career. Just bottom line. I I think that everything he's done. I mean, yes, he's got great bat speed. He's got a pretty good form, you know. And he, but but he knew how to take advantage of uh, uh, of some of those hanging pitches. He did. And then you, they try to throw him a fastball. Well, fastball were were his specialty to hit. But he's really kind of losing his step on it. He's really losing his speed a little bit. He's definitely way behind most of the pitches he faces. And, you know, now granted, this is baseball. And so, you know, failing seven times out of ten is, you know, a millionaire, a multimillionaire. But failing this much, man, I I, I don't know what to say on Chris Davis's behalf, but I – in my mind, he's been overrated his entire career. I, I never, you know, I never really, um, I don't want to say I never liked him because that sounds harsh, but as a, just like, I, you know, I never wanted him on my team. When the Rangers got rid of him, I was like, okay, see ya. He goes and hits a bunch of home runs. I'm like, well, crap, why didn't he do that for the Rangers? And now he drops off, and I'm like, all right, there you go. Tyler Kelso. He asked, does the signing of DeMarcus Lawrence make the Cowboys a Super Bowl contender? No. And the reason why is not because I don't think DeMarcus Lawrence is a uh, good player. He is. He's a very good player, and he's definitely the player the Cowboys need to be paying. But that wasn't what was keeping them from being a Super Bowl contender in the first place. The problem was the secondary. Go back and watch that uh, game against the Seahawks from this uh, from this past playoff. From I'm sorry, this past year in the playoffs, uh, 
you know, despite the win, Russell Wilson just picked that secondary apart. And until the Cowboys do something to fix that, in my mind, they won't be a Super Bowl contender. But you're asking, does the signing of Demarcus Lawrence make them a Super Bowl contender? No, it does not. And then, Tyler, you also asked about stars and preds. Look, this is a this is a great series. I mean, now that Matt Zuccarello is back on the back on the ice for the stars, I think that uh, that definitely opens up a lot of possibility offensively. Um, if Ben Bishop can stay healthy, if he can uh, not get hurt with a lower body injury like he did four times in the last month of the season, uh, I think they'll be good. Uh, Anton Hudobin, if he does have to come in, I think he'll do well. But the the problem with Anton Hudobin is um, as much. Uh, as big as a save percentage as he has, he's prone to letting the he's prone to letting him in. He really is. And so with uh, with Anton Hudobin in net, the Stars are really really going to have to have their offense on a great game, and they're going to have to score a lot. Um, unfortunately for the Stars, I don't think it works out. I take the Preds in, uh, in six. J.R. Wilson, you asked who's winning the East in the NBA? The Bucks. It's got to be the Bucks. They looked great all season. They've uh, just pretty much ruled the entire conference all season. I don't see – I mean, the Raptors may, be, may, uh, may dethrone them. Uh, but other than that, I think it's going to be – I think you're going to see the Bucks and Warriors in the finals uh, this year. Jim Zimmerman, this is a high school football question. Jim Zimmerman asks, can the Alito Bearcats go undefeated and repeat as state champions? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're bringing back a lot of skill guys. Uh, they got to replace quite a few offensive line guys, but that has never, ever been a problem for Alito in the past because they've always just been able to reload on the offensive line. I think they're able to do the same thing. They're going to have to replace uh, some key secondary positions, but again, this is Alito. I don't think they're going to have a big problem with that because, as we all know, they might struggle in week one and week two. By week three of the season, the Bearcats are going to be rolling and they're going to be the Alito that everybody knows and are used to. And then he followed question, are they the best team in the 21st century? I would hesitate to say that because of Lake Travis, but they definitely have one of the best teams of the 21st century. Uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football did a, uh, did a thing not too long ago where they ranked the best programs based on the past, I think it was six years. So that way it's not judged based on one class. And I think they had criteria with it that went uh, state title appearances, most wins, playoff appearances, playoff wins, uh, pl- you know, state championship wins. Um, and, and Alito was number one in that over the past six years. And I, I would I definitely agree with that. Um, over the past six years, I think they, gosh, uh, they won the state title this past year. They went the year before. They won the year before that. Semifinals the year before that. Um, they won the title the year before that, and they won the year before that. And uh, that last one I just mentioned, they scored 1,023 points. Yes, this is the best program definitely of recent history of the 21st century. I don't know. You might want to look at Lake Travis for that. Um, possibly Allen, and possibly if you go back far enough into the uh, early 2000s, you might want to take a look at South Lake Carroll. Um so I, I would hesitate to call them the best team of the 21st century, but without a doubt, they're definitely one of the best programs in the state, and I think they can easily. I think they can repeat next year. Chris Fountain, you asked, was last night the worst championship game in the history of championship games? No. It started that way. It really looked like that's exactly where the game was headed, but. In the end of it, 
I that was a very very entertaining game, and I was not I was not rooting for either team really. You know, part part of me was kind of hoping that Texas Tech wouldn't, but I was not I was not actively rooting for anybody. And I was on the edge of my seat. That was a great that was a great finish to a great game. You're right now, now Chris. I know exactly what you're thinking. That you know, it got off to a very slow start. It was very defensive, but in the second half, it really really picked up, and offense became a key key role late in the game. Tanner Von Ruden, U.S. easiest path to the Stanley Cup. It's got to be the the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's got to be the Lightning. They're playing the Blue Jackets in the first round. After that, they get the winner, the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. Um, I don't think that'll be too easy. But again, I, I I don't see the Lightning having to play a Game Seven on the way to the finals, unless it's the Capitals. But even then, I still I I don't know how I feel about the Capitals. And so I I, I would say it's got to be the Lightning, absolutely. I because I, again, I don't see them playing a Game Seven uh, anytime before reaching the final. Uh, I can't say the same for anybody on the Western side. I, I think we're going to have a lot of game sevens uh, on the Western side of the bracket. So uh, to answer your question, definitely I'm going to say Tampa Bay. Curtis Dove asks, what is the appro- what is appropriate for player celebration? And I know what he's referencing here. So the other day, the Rangers were playing the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And Nomar Mazzara and Joey Gallo after, I think it was Gallo who scored the run, they approach each other and grab each other's crotches. So to answer, so Curtis, this is what you're obviously talking about. I can tell you right now, that is definitely not an appropriate celebration. Uh, that, that's, that's just, I, that doesn't belong in baseball. That's weird. Um, for for me, I've always been a high five guy. I've always been the uh, the uh, shoulder bump guy. You know, I, I you know I love doing the shoulder bump. Every t- you know that that takes me back to my football days. Um, just a straight up chest bump. Uh, you know that was that takes me back to to pee wee football when we knew you know no other celebrations. Um, but I've always been a high five guy. That's just always how I've been. Um, I play slow pitch softball all the time, and you know something something good happens. It's a high five. High five every time. Michael Hargrave asks, what do you think about the Antonio Brown trade? I think the Steelers really had no choice. I think he, as far as a character goes, might be toxic for uh, for an environment like that. Uh, I don't think – I think if anything, he might have actually been slowing down Ben Roethlisberger, uh, which, which believe me, I will take a lot of crap for. Uh, once this episode goes public, but I, I think that's exactly what it is. I, I think that he was really doing a lot worse for the Steelers. He was doing more bad for the Steelers than good, and so I think the Steelers are smart, and I think the Raiders uh, really just find themselves back in the same place where they were last year, just with Antonio Brown instead of Amari Cooper. And you know, maybe this time the Raiders won't trade Antonio Brown away halfway through the season. For a first round draft pick, which, by the way, we'll see how that goes in a uh, in not too long with the NFL draft. Austin Avery, good question here. Asked, should baseball be switched to electronic umps? No, no. Look, this is baseball. Umpires have been a part of it. Umpires are just as big a part of this game as the players. 
And I, while I think as far as accuracy goes, yes, it might be good for accuracy. There's, there's a human element here. And the, the, the best thing about sports, in my opinion, is that sports are not perfect. Uh, that's number one. And number two, they can't be scripted. And so I, I, I think that definitely we, we need to stay with, uh, we need to stay with umpires. Now, the the instant replay is kind of proving to be uh, to be very helpful. I was very skeptical of it at first, but it is proving to be um, to be pretty pretty helpful. And so, uh, I, I think really that's that's really as far as we we need to go on this. Look, the big thing about this is just don't argue balls and strikes. Just don't argue balls and strikes. Every umpire is going to have a different strike zone. I know that. I was one for little league and. Uh, really, I had to have a different strike zone for every age group I did, but uh, but regardless, every every ump is going to see something differently, and that's just part of the game. Mason Pruitt asks, which transfer quarterback uh, for college football will make the biggest difference? Uh, I'm going to say Jalen Hurts. I don't think that Oklahoma starts out this season um, as highly uh, – highly ranked and you know with high ex- such high expectations if they don't get Jalen Hurts. Now that's no knock on Tanner Mordecai, their backup quarterback who is uh, who all credit to him is working his butt off uh, and try and really trying to compete for this. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to make a big difference because he's going to be the quarterback that uh, you know Oklahoma can continue doing what they've been doing for the past 5 years now. Um, you know the all the time they had Baker Mayfield uh, you know Trevor Knight with the with a season he had before Mayfield stepped up, and then uh, uh, and then Kyler Murray. I uh, you know they're they're all mobile. They were all uh, you know good on the you know good improvisers. I think Jalen Hurts is going to play a huge factor for Oklahoma because he's making it possible for them to continue to do what they want to do. And so I think for that reason, Jalen Hurts is going to be a, uh, is probably going to be. Uh, the biggest difference maker as far as transfers go. And then he, he asks, who's the uh, dark horse playoff team? I got to go with Texas. I've got to go with Texas. Now, I'm not I'm not going to say Texas is back, right? I One, I hate that. But two, if you really want to say Texas is back, prove it. Now, follow up the great season you had last season with a great season this this year and probably, and, and probably another big bowl game. Uh, possibly win the Big 12 – uh, uh, championship, um, you know, definitely beat Oklahoma again for sure. Uh, it's very, very, it's very easy to see that te- uh, Texas having a good year. Um, I don't think they have the best chance of making the playoff, mainly because there are only four teams that make it. But if you're asking for a dark horse, I definitely say watch out for Texas. They're going to be back uh, just as good, if not better, than last season. And then uh, Christopher Musgrove asked, do you think uh, the Ravens will do well with Mark Ingram? Look, that's not the Ravens' problem. The Ravens' problem is their quarterback is their quarterback thing. Lamar Jackson just has not, you know, in my opinion, just did not look like Lamar Jackson should have with that Ravens offense. I think the Ravens are about to be in a quarterback limbo, uh, just trying to find all their, uh, you know, find the right quarterback, find the right guy. Uh I think Mark Ingram might do well, but I don't think he's going to be the difference as far as how well the Ravens do. And then finally, Mackenzie Zimmerman asks, who will be remembered more fondly, Dirk or Dwayne Wade? 
This is just my Mavs fan coming out. I'm going to say Dirk Nowitzki, but that's mainly because Dwayne Wade was, I mean, he's notorious for being the one that teamed up with LeBron and Chris Bosh Miami. He's notorious for leaving Miami after LeBron left to go to Chicago. Um, you know, he's, you know, yes, he's got his rings, but, you know, Dirk, Dirk was a loyal, Dirk was never in the media saying, uh, you know, Saying, saying something big like this, uh, uh, who was it with uh, with Dwayne Wade made a, I think made a bet with uh, LeBron or something when the Cubs and Indians were in the World Series made that bet. Yes, that's all fun and games, but I mean Dirk was you know, you know Dirk wasn't doing anything for publicity reasons. Uh, he he loved Dallas. He stayed here. He you know he he wanted to stay here. You know, even when uh, the Mavs really started doing bad, he wanted to stick around here, and he he kept signing those extensions. He wanted to be here, and so uh, you know, nationally, obviously, Dwayne Wade. You know, Dwayne Wade's going to continue to be the bigger name, I think. But uh, definitely, when you think Dirk Nowitzki, you think loyalty, you think a player that you really like, um, and obviously, he's always going to be that. Uh, he's always going to be that that Mavs guy. He he is the Dallas Mavericks. So thank you all for sending in your questions. I feel like that went pretty well, and I'm almost out of time here. And so I am going to sign off. Guys, I'm Nolan Ruth. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at RealNolanRuth. Follow my partners, even though they haven't been here in a couple weeks, at RealBlakeMartin on Twitter, um, and then at MoreheadSeth. And then Jared is at Godman underscore 116, I believe. Uh, definitely follow us on our company page, at Company Nolan. Uh, who knows? We might have another Q and A thing next next week. So definitely be by the be by the channel for that, and definitely be checking social media and sending those questions again for next week. It is April 9th, twenty and nineteen. Another good podcast week, guys. So long. <laughs>